Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Beyond the Valley. Hello and welcome to another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. I'm Arjun Kapoor and I'm coming to you from the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. And I'm joined by a very special guest with me, Elizabeth Schultze, CNBC's tech reporter based in London. Elizabeth, it's your first time hey, on the show on, on Beyond the Valley. First time on Beyond the Valley. I'm super excited. Thanks for joining us. Now, we've been here in Davos all week listening to a variety of conversations on economic policy to politics. But... Something that's been front and center, of course, is technology and the conversation around technology. That's right. And one thing that's been interesting here this week is that the technology conversation isn't just coming from tech companies. It's coming from government. It's coming from academics. It's coming from across the range of sectors and leaders and even younger entrepreneurs here, too. And there's one sort of buzzword that we're hearing a lot of in this tech conversation, and it's AI, artificial intelligence. That's right. So you've got the companies on one hand talking about what they're doing with AI, how they're infusing it into the business, how important it's going to be. And then you've got the governments on the one hand thinking about what's the impact going to be on society, on things like jobs, uh, on the labor market, on the way monetary policy even goes yeah. going forward as well. So there's a lot of those conversations happening and artificial intelligence definitely uh, front and center of that. But one of the big conversations here really is about who is going to lead AI over the next few years. And there's two front runners, from what I understand and the conversations we've been having. It's China versus the US. And that's a big deal right now. That's absolutely right, Arjun. And this is a race that each of those countries really wants to win. China's investing a lot of money in AI, and the US is investing a lot of money in AI. And the question is, who's going to come out on top here? Is this going to be a collaborative approach ultimately, or is this a competition that could escalate really quickly? That's absolutely right. And the reason there is such an intense focus on AI, on artificial intelligence, because it's such a key technology. And I want to take a moment to, I guess, explain to our Beyond the Valley listeners a little bit about what artificial intelligence means, because it's essentially about automation. It's around making processes smarter and it's around these algorithms that are able to adapt, to develop uh, in order to be smarter. And what that means is perhaps, you know, if you think about where it could be applied, there could be you know, manual tasks admin tasks that are done currently by humans that could be taken over by algorithms. And that's why it's such a key technology, I think, uh, this, the ability for it to scale and power new industries and new jobs and a new economy is what's at stake here. And that's why you've got the US and China uh, fighting to, to, to basically win in this area. Now, I've had some very interesting conversations, as have you. And I sat down earlier this week at Davos with Kai-Fu Lee. He's the founder of Sinovation Ventures, a China-based VC firm. Uh, but he was also the ex-head of China for Google. So he's got a very interesting perspective. Big job. Very big job, yeah. So I had a chat to him a little bit about where we're at right now in this AI race and who's ahead. Let's listen into what he had to say. Uh, we have to separate uh, AI research from AI development and monetization. And uh, U.S. has been, is, and will for the foreseeable future continue to be the leader in AI research. Um, and China has very rapidly become the best country to do AI implementation, uh, entrepreneurship, productization, monetization. It's uh, arguably ahead of U.S. in some areas, behind in others, maybe neck and neck. Uh, but at the current trajectory, uh, China will probably be ahead of the U.S. in five years. Now, a lot of people find this strange because there's something that's often misunderstood, which is that 
AI is not rocket science. We read all about AI breakthroughs, AI can do this, can play Go, can diagnose cancer, but actually it's one fundamental algorithm working behind it called deep learning. And increasingly more people are able to grasp deep learning and apply it to problems. And I think China's advantage is that the entrepreneurs are faster, works harder, more tenacious. China has more data, more users, more usage per data, and there's very uh, pro-AI Chinese government policies. So these things cause China to be ahead in AI implementation, uh, despite not being ahead in AI research. That was Kai Fu Lee there. And, and what was interesting is how he was talking a little bit about the actual implementation of AI in China and how that's moving forward versus the US is quite strong on research. So there's different landscapes uh, right now in that. And it seems like China, as you mentioned earlier, is a, is a bit ahead um, on, on the AI front. I mean, it's a great conversation because the question is, is there a willingness between these two countries to work together? And I don't know if you got a sense of that from your conversation or is it really just a strict competition happening right now? The short answer is no, I think. Like, these guys do not want to work together. I think the US really is uh, fond of being the leader here. They've obviously got some pretty hefty tech companies in the US, the likes of Google, the likes of Facebook, all of which are investing in artificial intelligence. And on the flip side, you know, China has some massive giants also doing a lot of work in AI, Baidu, Tencent, Alibaba. So, so that's the key thing. But I think when we think about the political environment right now, we've got this ongoing trade war with the US and China. Yes, there are issues over the actual idea of trade. But one of the things that really is at the center of this trade war is who's going to own the future technologies, 5G, artificial intelligence. And I think you know, the US obviously wants to get ahead and so does China and they've got very different environments. You've got China, which is a top-down approach, you know, led by Xi Jinping, who really wants to kind of get ahead um, and direct a lot of the, the resources towards development of AI. In the US, of course, it's a, it's a free economy, it's a democracy as well. So very different environments, I think, to work with, which could, I think, change uh, the way the internet landscape looks in the future. We're hearing a lot about how fast this technology is developing and that governments are sometimes having a hard time keeping up with, with companies. And one word I've been hearing a lot around Davos this week is this term splinternet. I don't know if you've been hearing that, Arjun, but maybe you can uh, speak to that a little bit and explain what that means for, for some of our listeners. Yeah, that's right. Each year at Davos, there always seems to be a buzzword that sticks out Last year, it was the blockchain. This year, it's the splinternet. That has been the big one. What I think a lot of commentators are pointing towards here is the emergence of almost two internets. One led by China, where you've got Chinese apps, Chinese services that are prevalent across the world. And one led by the US, one where there are US-led services and apps. That's a very interesting concept because it really does mean that the internet landscape could shift and be very different in the future. Now, this links back to a lot of what we've already talked about, and this is the race for supremacy and artificial intelligence between the U.S. and China. In your interview, Arjun, Kaifu said that China is ahead in AI for now, but in this battle, we're seeing the development of different technologies, different services, and different levels of acceptance of these technologies in different areas of the world. You're right. What you've seen from the Chinese tech giants like Alibaba and Tencent is they've expanded their products and services to Southeast Asia a lot and are taking on major American firms in some of the countries in the region. I spoke to Kaifu Lee about the Splinternet and how he sees it playing out. Um, I think this is the typical American belief that uh, Chinese companies, uh, because they are copycats and they're pr of protectionism, they can only succeed in their country. On the contrary, the Chinese companies are now uh, vigorously going abroad. 
Uh, I do see sort of two internets form, but it will not be China and the rest of the world. It will be China and countries that adopt Chinese apps and countries that adopt American apps. I think you can look at it at the you know, 5G level, at the server level, at the phone level, at the cloud level, and at the apps level, at the AI level. Now, our investment expertise is, is, is in the uh, mobile apps and the AI level. And I can assure you the Chinese apps are, are probably a little bit more innovative than the American apps right now. And uh, while Chinese apps will have a hard time uh, getting adopted in US and Europe uh, and English-speaking countries, I think uh, they're proving their um, uh, rapid acceptance in uh, India, Southeast Asia, South America, uh, Middle East, um, and even a little bit in Africa. So I think in five years, if you look at all the people in the world and took their phone and counted how many American apps and Chinese apps, I'd say it will be 50-50. Very interesting. Is that good or bad? I don't know. There's uh, good things and bad things about it. Uh, having one country be the supreme leader forms a unified platform and consistent experience, but it also gives too much power to one country or company, and more competition is good. So one can argue either way, but I think it is an unavoidable thing, so we have to accept it and make the best of it. That was Kai Fu Lee there talking about the uh, splinternet and, and the two internets that potentially could emerge. Love that word. It's tough. Love that word. Tough to keep up with these words. It's a really tough word, that. <laughs> so, Elizabeth, we've been focusing so much on China and the US, but of course, Europe is a huge market for technology. It, you know, several hundreds of millions of consumers there, and some big companies now emerging as well. So, where does Europe stand on the AI race? So, look, Arjun, I think the conversation this week at Davos, it's clear that Europe is missing and is behind in this AI race. It's been between the US and China, and Europe is just not there yet. Part of that is there aren't as many big tech companies in Europe that are developing AI. And a lot of the re, you know, a lot of the researchers here, a lot of academics saying Europe can play a big role here. They're, they have a very strong research community. AI is a big topic that you'd hear about, but we're seeing it a little bit less in the way these companies are formed and, and, and growing. I had, did find one AI company that's based in London. It's called Benevolent AI, and it's a health pharma company that uses AI to essentially sift through all of the healthcare data that's out there, studies, you know, treatments, and to try to have a machine look through those findings to come up with new treatment plans and new drugs, ultimately maybe even new chemicals. So it's a pretty innovative approach towards pharma. They're about over $2 billion valuation, so not as big as a U.S. giant or a Chinese tech giant. But interesting that they're trying to keep up in this race. And, and I spoke with the founder, Ken Mulvaney, about how behind Europe is and what needs to be done to catch up. I'd like to talk about your company in the broader AI context because we so often hear about this race between the US and China and Europe is really lagging behind. Can you give us your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, no, I'm on a panel uh, for, for this very topic uh, tomorrow. Uh, and and, it's a, and it is a big challenge when when I think of the United States and I think of the the ecosystem that uh, has been built to to support companies, uh, the access to to capital that exists uh, in China as well. They're building a, a tremendous infrastructure, and they certainly are, are 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 devoting an awful lot of capital to this. The real opportunity is looking at where Europe's strengths are in the sciences. Uh, and, and particularly in healthcare and, and energy storage. Um, we will be crushed by the burden of our healthcare cost. There's just no doubt about it. 
um, it's 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 already seven point almost ten trillion per year on this, and it's it's meant to be doubling uh, in in the the ensuing years. It's just a burden that we can't afford to to do, um, and if if you if you narrow what you're trying to do, so rather than going for a general artificial intelligence, if, if, if you focus on what you're actually good at, which is, is developing machine learning, machine intelligence applications within sciences, we really could transform the way that not only our healthcare, but we can begin to export that to, uh, to other nations. That was Ken Mulvaney, the founder of Benevolent AI, which is a London-based AI pharma company. Some interesting thoughts on what can be done to get ahead in this race from a European perspective. Now, one thing we haven't discussed, of course, is some of the worries around artificial intelligence. And one of the big conversations here at Davos is around how to, what the impact of AI is going to be. And there's a huge emphasis on, you know, talking about the benefits of AI. Yes, a lot of the companies are talking about the technology, talking up the technology. But there's a lot of leaders who have expressed concern about the impact this could ha have on jobs, on people losing jobs, what it's going to do to economies. But also, you know, we heard Jack Ma, the founder of Alibaba, actually say that technology could be the cause of a third world war. So there is genuinely a lot of concern about actually how technology develops over the next few years. But there's also a concern that technology could fall into the wrong hands. Now, billionaire investor George Soros talked here at Davos and he said, he wanted to call attention to what he called the mortal danger facing open society from the instruments of control that machine learning and artificial intelligence can put in the hands of repressive regimes. I'll focus on China, where Xi Jinping wants a one-party state to reign supreme. So he's called out China specifically here, and, and you know, I'm based now in China, in Guangzhou, and, and one thing you do see is some of the technologies that have got backlash in the West, in Europe and the US, such as facial recognition technology, where people are worried about privacy, worried about data. Those are the kind of technologies that are based on AI, but those have kicked ahead in China. You see facial recognition technology in a lot of places. People love it and people accept it. And there's a fundamental difference, I guess, in the way you know, the US and China are run. We alluded to that earlier. You've got China, which is ruled by Xi Jinping, top-down approach. And that's why they're really kicking ahead with some of these technologies where there are concerns over privacy and backlash in other, in other countries. That's right. I think that when you talk about any of these issues, there's so much uncertainty, whether, like you mentioned, the jobs perspective. You know, AI is going to have an impact on the economy. No matter which country is ahead, this is going to have some pretty broad-based, you know, impacts. You know, jobs are going to be replaced. New jobs are going to be created, too. But that's something that in this overarching conversation is an important element to, to have in mind. And then the question is, whose job is it to sort of regulate what these other side effects of AI are, whether it's privacy, whether it's getting it in the wrong hands. And I think that that's something that's sort of left unanswered this week after Davos. I, there's an understanding that we need to be thinking about the ethics of AI, another you know, buzzword they like to use around here, but not a lot of solutions for how to do that. Davos always leaves us with uh, some answers and then a whole bunch of new questions. And those ones you've pointed out there, how to regulate, how to ethically and responsibly develop AI. Those are big questions that still, as you said, have not been answered by the big tech companies or governments for that matter as well. So listen, you Beyond the Valley listeners out there, what do you think? Are you worried about AI? Do you have some ideas about how this should be regulated or how they should develop? Let us know. I'm on Twitter at Arjun Karpal. I'm at Yves 9 
And that's it for another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. A very special episode, of course, because we've got Elizabeth here for the t- first time. And we are in the snowy mountains of Davos as well. It was a lot of fun. I, uh, I'm dreading going back outside, though, aren't you? It, it's super cold. But thanks so much for listening. <laughs> and we'll catch you next time. Beyond the Valley.